0: This is the third week of our Passages Sermon Series, and uh, there, there are two main motives for the sermon series, these three weeks that we've been talking about uh, particular scriptures. One, one motive is for you to hear, for us to hear together as a congregation, uh, stories, testimonies, of how God has used scripture in the lives of uh, the preachers in, the, in our lives uh, for you to hear how uh, a particular verse or chapter has impacted or formed or shaped us the second motive if I can collapse it is equally important and, and that is this um, that, that, that God reveals himself in scripture, and that it is that God who is seeking to encounter you. So so you, our hope, our prayer, our motive, is for you to walk away, for us to walk away from this three-week series with a hunger and a thirst... Not just for scripture, not just for the, re- the printed word, not just for the text, the verses, the chapters that we read, but for the God who reveals himself in that text, in that chapter, in those verses. So, so so, our hope is that you uh, walk away learning something about us, that you walk away learning how God has used this passage or that chapter or that verse to, to pull us to Christ. But our hope also, and equally important, is that you walk away understanding that the God behind these passages is looking to walk with you in your passages, in your transitions, in your Times of trial, disappointment, etc. In preparing for uh, this morning's sermon, I had probably my hardest time, this was probably the The roughest one yet for me to get ready for, and all of my sermons at New Community have been pretty rough, I'll tell you. (laughs) This was especially challenging for me. I talked to my wife. I talked to trusted friends. I talked to Pastor Peter, and and, and I tried to prepare well. I wanted to, to ready myself for this particular sermon, and I want to tell you a little bit why, so you know where I'm coming from. In my background and not simply in the local church that I come from, but in, in my background, um, uh, I have been tutored and sort of uh, shaped by, uh, as have you, certain understandings. And, and when I think about preaching, uh, uh, preaching for me has certain responsibilities that come along with it. And, and, and I tend to see uh, two uh, ends of a spectrum, if you will, and, 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 and you'll notice quite quickly what end of the spectrum I fall on when it comes to communicating, when it comes to preaching. On the one end of the spectrum, you have, uh, you have uh, what, it, what, what is called um, uh, promoting, proclaiming uh, the gospel, proclaiming scripture, studying scripture, studying uh, the, the, the Bible, going through theological interpretation in order to present the person of Jesus Christ. That that is the role of the preacher, For, for the preacher to look in the text of Scripture and to find a way to proclaim how the congregation gets to Jesus. On the other hand, if you will, the preacher's Responsibility is to uh, inform a congregation in, 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 in invisible, tangible ways, often using the preacher's life as a method of informing about truth. The second requires vulnerability, transparency, intimacy. The the, the first you simply find in Scripture, and this is not difficult, a way to remind people what good news is. And that is constricted to the world of the text, if you will. All that takes, in some ways, is an astute, or at least a responsible mind and readiness to do the work of finding out what this scripture means, finding out what the historical context of this particular narrative was, finding out how Hebrew scholars or how New Testament theologians have worked and come to understand this particular passage. I'm good at that. I'm better, I guess, at that than the other. Because on the other end, the preacher has to employ herself or himself to give attestation, a testimony, an example of how those scriptures shape this person's life. For me, because of where I come, the danger is in doing the second, you can confuse people who the person on display really is. You may not have seen this, but I have. And I'm learning how to preach. I'm learning how to communicate. And in my school, if you will, of learning how to preach, I have seen the preacher become the text. The preacher become the passage the life story become the text rather than the medium to which we get to the text. So it's hard for me because I want to be clear, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not the most skilled person to make the, the bridge, but I want to be clear that as even as I start this morning, that whatever I say about me, This is not about me. So I'll run in and out of my comfort zone when I preach. Does that make sense? I grew up in church and uh, I'm very comfortable in church. I love church i don 't ever remember a time where I except occasional Sundays, perhaps like today, um, where I just didn 't want to go to church uh, but 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 I have no complaints about the church I grew up, and there were, there were some some options that we had in my family, this was never really an option. There's some things that don't really come up in my mother's house, and going to church or not going to church just never came up. We went. And um, I became very drawn to the scripture through the, the medium of music. I, I came to appreciate the world of the Bible through um, coming to the Bible and Bible-like language in song. I sang in the children's choir at uh, New Zion Grove. I sang in the children's choir at Greater Friendship. Got to Sweet Holy Spirit and sang in the children's choir and sang in the youth choir, sang in the young adult choir. But I, but I, my brother and I uh, joined another choir outside of the church. We liked choirs, and uh, <laughs> it's funny. My grandmother was a church musician. My mother's a director. My sister's a director. My brother's a director, and uh, and and we, Mark and I, joined the Soul Children of Chicago, and it's a it's a gospel choir primarily now really youth organization. But it's a it's a gospel group uh, ranging from the age of seven to seventeen, and uh, uh, that group, when I was in it, and even now, traveled across the nation, and and they waited until I left to start traveling around the world, really, <laughs> um, recording albums and singing, and uh, we sang spirituals, we sang classical, we sang I'm mean, just all kinds of stuff, and and we would sing whether we were whether we were at Pilgrim Baptist Church or whether we were at, uh, the, in Oak Brook at the McDonald's uh, Corporation or at the Wendy's Corporation singing for their annual meeting, we would sing, and, and I came to love what we sang. And what we sang was informed by Scripture. It was gospel music for the most part. And, and I came to love the, the, the idea of music so much that I wanted to learn about this God that we sang about. We rehearsed at Saint John de La Salle on Wednesday and Saturdays. We uh, then started rehearsing at Saint Sabina uh, on Saturday mornings, and so every Saturday, every Wednesday, Wednesday six thirty to nine thirty, Saturday nine a.m. to twelve p.m., uh, and then throughout the week we would sing. We'd have one or two uh, engagements, if you will, where the choir would go, and uh, whether thirty of us or a hundred of us would go and sing somewhere. And so every every week, at least two days, maybe three days were committed to singing in the Soul Children of Chicago. And then we got to go to church uh, some too, but, but, but the, most in, uh, the most influential, formational uh, 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 power over my growing up years until I was in the middle of college was Walt Whitman and the Soul Children of Chicago. And, and, I, and I learned how to come to the text by singing uh, devotional songs, singing praise songs, uh, getting ready to learn gospel music. And, and so it was music that provided the context for me to come to scripture. We sang often uh, when we were warming up our voices, what's called congregational songs. And and, and I want you to get ready because we're going to try to do that today. Uh, we, we, we sang congregational songs. And, and those were not songs where one person grabbed the mic and sang a solo where, where they were on display. We did that too. Those were not songs where we would sing uh, the hallelujah chorus, either with sheet music or without. We did that. But, but congregational songs were songs where we basically said to the entire room, to the entire church, to the entire atmosphere, we're going to sing a song together. You might not be able to sing, but when everybody's singing next to you, it doesn't matter how bad you sound. Yeah, I got one witness. <laughs> so we would sing about this God. I didn't rehearse with the, with the band. They, you know, I, I told Uni what I was going to do. But there's no rehearsal, so this is, this is like for real. And I didn't get permission, so if we screw this up, boy. That's how it goes when you sing congregational songs. No music. We didn't have screens when we sang congregational songs. Uh, we sang with music sometimes, but that's when we were singing Hospital Depot We," a Russian song that talks about, you know, one particular. So congregational songs, you get no music. <laughs> Repeat after me. What a mighty God we serve. What a, God we serve. what a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. Earth adore him. What, a what a mighty God we serve. Now you sound like you don't want to sing already. So I'm, 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 up, I'm in for it this morning. God help me. Say it one more time. What a mighty God we serve. What a God we serve. There you go. What a, God what a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and, Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. God. Now, who knows this song already? All- hey, we got a choir. All right. Here we go. I ain't got to do it by myself. Now, now you might know it in a different sort of rhythm. The melody is pretty simple, all right? So if you know it, now I'm gonna have you stand up after we rehearse it one time. So if you already know it, you've had your rehearsal. So you stand up if you know it. You stand up. I saw you. Get up, I saw you. Get up. Yep. All right. All right, ready? We're going to sing this one or two times. What a mighty God we serve. That's it. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow. Angels bow. Heaven and earth. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. You got a uni? Put a uni up. What a mighty God. Keys, we serve turn the keys up. What a mighty God we serve. That's it. Angels. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God. Now say, how I love the God. How I love the God we serve. How I love the God. How I love the God we serve. Now you clap. Come on. Angels bow before him. Oh, heaven and earth adore him. How I love the God we serve. How I love the God we serve. How I love the God we serve. Oh, how I love the we serve. Angels bow. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. How I... Oh, God. Now, don't move. The next song was praise him, praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noonday. Praise him when the sun goes down. Say that. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noonday. Praise him him when the sun goes down. down. How many people in the choir know that song? You know it? All right. Less people in the choir know that one. All right. All right. We got it. You, You know it, Uni? All right, good. You want to sing with me? You want the mic? I don't know know how to start this one in what key. Praise him, praise him, praise him in the the noonday, praise him in the noonday, pray, praise him, him, pray, praise him when the sun goes, praise him when the sun goes. Sing it till you get it, praise him, praise him. Same thing. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in the noonday. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him when the sun. Now don't drag the hymn. Just sing it one more time. Praise Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him in the morning. Praise him in. That's it. Praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise him when the sun goes down. Now just say love him, love him, love. That's it, love him, love. Love him in the morning. Love him in the noonday. You're not clapping love. Oh, love him. One more time, one more time, last time. Say thank him. Everybody say thank. Clap thank him. Oh, thank him in the morning. Thank him in the noon. Hey, thank. Thank him. Thank him when the sun goes down. Now you clap. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Who said y'all can't sing without words? I tell you, y'all sounded wonderful. Singing songs like that, moving and clapping like that, because I love music, made me want to read the Bible. My favorite book of the Bible, one of them, and it's not a large disconnect, is the book of Psalms. Psalms is the biblical hymn book, if you will. It's it's the song book for the people of God. And over and over in the Psalms, we find songs and hymns. Not simply prayers, but prayers meant to be set to music. So this morning, We're going to read and listen to one of the psalms. It is my favorite psalm, and the second one is Psalm 103, but 139 is my favorite hymn in the Psalms. And I, I want you uh, to read Psalm 139. And even if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask that you look to the screen because when we read together, uh, it's hard to, to read together if we have different versions. And so I'm going to ask, and you can can stay seated, but if you will read this Psalm uh, with me. In fact, I may drop out because uh, I got a lot more talking to do, but I want you to keep reading. Uh, uh, Josh, can, can we get, let's read Psalm 139 together. Ready? Now, again, if you read too fast, slow down. And if you read too slow, speed up, okay? Uh, let's, Let's read. One, two, read. Oh, Lord, you examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. I'm sorry, that was me rewriting the Bible there, so uh, yeah, I do that sometimes. Them. They are more the cras of sin. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you listened as you were reading uh, to Psalm 139, there there were several words that were repeated uh, in, especially in the first part of the psalm, and and I want to I want to go to that repetition. David said over and over in this psalm, You know. You know. You know. When he stops that repetition, he stops it and transitions. After commenting on God's perfect knowledge, God's complete knowledge, he goes over and over, you know, you know, you know. And he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. There is nothing that God doesn't know about you. God knows everything about me. I um, used this passage to open the last um, academic year of my seminary time. I, I opened the, the year at chapel. And preached from Psalm 139. My fellow seminarians were there. Faculty members were there, and so I um, said to that chapel service, I told them, I said to the the students, I said, you may not know what this year holds for you, but God knows. I told them, I said, you may not know what appointment you'll get, and, and Garrett is a United Methodist seminary, they, and they, uh, they are appointed by their bishops often. I said, you may not know where you'll be appointed when you get your Master of Divinity degree, but God knows. I told the professors there, I said, you may have uh, an article on your desk. You may be working on a book, and you don't know uh, who the, the uh, publisher will be. You don't know what press will accept you, offer you a contract. You may not know that, but God knows. I told them that. And, and that was at the opening of my last year at Garrett. I, I opened the chapel uh, with that message about God's complete knowledge, God's full knowledge, God's perfect knowledge. And, and, and interestingly, I closed the, the, the academic year at a similar chapel service, but the day after my graduation. This sermon, this song, started coming back up. A day before we go to graduation, some of my friends and family, we go, we eat, we eat, we go out to dinner. My mom goes home, leaves the food, leftovers, you know, we had much food, much food, leaves the leftovers out on the table for too long and tries to eat it the next day. She gets sick. So I get a call from my brother. Uh, Mama's sick. We're going to the hospital. Now, you have to know that my mother has never been in the hospital, except, of course, for three childbirths. And uh, she's a day or two over 21, and so she, you know, it's been a while, you know, she hasn't been to the hospital. So you get a call from Mark or Renee, mom's going to go to the hospital. That's pretty significant. So I get up and meet them uh, at St. Francis Hospital. My mother's sitting there, just crouched over. Mama, never seen my mother yet. My mother's the type of person and she can be sick as a, you know, sick person. And, uh... <laughs> And she'd go to work. She'd do whatever she does. You never know a thing. She's all cramped up, crunched over. And so uh, go there. They have to run some tests, of course. And we have our own diagnoses already. We went to a restaurant. I guess I shouldn't say the name of it. And, uh, and my mother left the leftovers on the table. Shame on her. Food poisoning. I can tell you that, and I don't have to be a nurse practitioner or an MD to tell. I can tell you that. So, God bless our health professionals. In the <laughs> Vivian always tells me somebody has to save lives, and she's here today. Um, all these people around me who are accustomed to saving lives, and so they turn a 24-hour uh, supposedly 24-hour observation into, into seven days. They take an, a CAT scan, an MRI, all these other syllables and uh, acronyms <laughs> that I don't know. And uh, and so, of course, of course they, they take the scan. They say, well, it's going to take a day for the scan to come back. And so we're sitting there, and uh, uh, Dr. Deschman comes back. He's a, he's a surgeon who looks at the scans, and he says to us, he says, well, there's something on the 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 you know, whatever this film is this piece of paper that you have to put up on a light and look at and and he says uh he says like I'm not sure what it is and you know I'm silly I want to say it's fool poisoning it's chicken you know uh, <laughs> so so uh so so you know fine okay so he says, I want to do an exploratory surgery because it could be an abscess, it could be a tear, you know, it could be some kind of block, it could be, you know, some other things. And so uh, another day or, or so goes by and my mother gets ready for this exploratory surgery. My sister with her crazy self, uh, where my mother's sitting up, got to go to, the, go to the surgery, right? And my sister's fixing her hair like she's going on a date, you know? <laughs> Putting lip gloss on my, you have to know my sister, and this is totally her. She's, you know, she is my sister, so we know that. Uh, I can't disown her. I love her, but she's crazy. Um, She's crazy. So she, lip gloss, ponytail, all this stuff, and mom goes in for the surgery, uh, and and we're taking sort of shifts because we've been at the hospital just kind of hanging out and sitting there. My brother's gone to get some lunch uh, I had already eaten, and so he's away. My sister and I are there when Dr. Deshman comes back. Sits, brings us in this room that I'm familiar with because I've been in this room before. I'm a preacher. I'm a minister. So I've been uh, in the hospital with folks and... Uh, and I have, you know, there, there's, a, there's a manner that comes along with being alongside somebody who's ill or someone whose family member is ill. So I go into that mode. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, okay, uh, forgetting that I'm the son, not necessarily the minister. So I, Dr. Dushman is here, my sister is here, and, uh, and we're sitting, and Dr. Dushman says, it was cancer. And my sister and I, I should tell you, I should back up to tell you, I come from a Baptist-Pentecostal background, which is, uh, which, is, which is a hybrid of uh, the Baptist church and the Pentecostal church kind of smack, right? So, so this church, historically Baptist, currently quite Pentecostal. So, so, you know, my sister is over there. The blood of Jesus start pleading the blood. And, you know, again... I'm churchy, so I know church language is a combination of English language, scripture, and other stuff that doesn't sometimes make sense to normal people. So I'm, I'm familiar with churchy language. So she goes into the churchy language, starts pleading the blood, you know, and, you know, she starts pleading the blood, calling for the blood, and, and, and you know, praying. And, and the only thing that's going through my mind at that moment is, God, don't let her start speaking in tongues. Just please, please, please. And, and poor Dr. Dutchman, he's a tiny thing, you know. And uh, he's sitting there between uh, me, you know, and I'm small, and my sister, who's, who, God has caused her to increase right around that part. She, you know, that's all right. You know, hey, hey, hey. Watch it. Hey, that's Hayden. Anyway, I could go on a rant there, but. Uh, So so he's sitting between all these hips and things, and uh, and and I I probably have a little more hip than a little black you know black people anyway. So he's sitting between us. She pleading the blood, and I'm looking, and uh, and he says he says I cut out what I could. It's in a small bow. He starts talking about a carcinoid, and um, and. You know, their questions and their answers and there's some back and forth, some dialogue, and he's talking and he says, um, to our questions, do what it could, and this is what you can expect. This is you know, he's a surgeon, they know what they're doing, right? So he's talking and and um, my sister is is, is 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 shattered externally and I'm I'm Cool. I'm collected. I'm generally that type of a person, anyway. You know, not a whole lot is going to shake me. Usually, for real. And so, so he goes away. Um, my dad comes. Uh, he's he's in town. My dad lives in Little Rock, Arkansas. He's retired there. He's he's at the hospital by then, uh, and go out and uh, and uh, give him the doctor's report. My brother is back at that point. We talk about it, and and so. Uh, I don't know what else we talk about. My mother goes into recovery and we decide, as her children, uh, we decide that I'm going to tell my mother what the doctor said the next morning before the doctor makes his rounds or whatever, it comes around. uh, So my dad and I come back to St. Francis. And... Uh, my dad is there I'm standing there and I'm sitting there and it begins to come down on me that my mother has a cancer in her body and we all have different experiences with our parents and different experiences with our families of origin and that that might not mean a whole lot to some people but for me uh, as it it begins to settle and I begin to try to find words to say one sentence to my mother I start saying to God you gotta be kidding me I have seen seen people you know and tell you I, I come out of this background it's a woman in in the church i came from who told me and and you can do with this what you want who told me they used to call me elder we're ordained to the eldership and they call you elder instead of reverend instead of pastor so elder michael you the when you prayed for me four years ago i had liver cancer and i don't have liver cancer anymore a woman tells me that I'm looking at my mother and I'm talking to God and I'm saying, you got to be kidding. My mother wakes up. She says, what did they say? And I'm looking at my dad, you know, who ain't about to say nothing. He's just, you know. <laughs> I said, well, I said, um, I said, whatever I said. And she said, okay, they get it out. I'm looking, I'm like, you are not doing anything for my emotions right now, trying to be all quick, you know. So she, 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 that's just my mom. She, Did they get it out? No, they got some of it. Some of it's still there. And she goes into what is, what is um, you know, her attitude about this, this, this condition, this health uh, state that she's in. And I walk away, and a day or so later, I started thinking about this song. I started thinking about the fact that I preached to a chapel of people and said to them, hey, you don't know what's going to happen this year, but can I tell you, God knows. I look back on that sermon and I spit on my notes. I just, what? You mean to tell me you knew this was gonna happen? Every follow up appointment, so they set, you know, every three months and then they changed it to four months, this was in 05 uh, so it was three months, we did that for uh, I think nine months, then they switched it to four months at the University of Chicago and then we went, now we're at a semi-annual kind of checkup, um uh, so every six months if you will and so every time, every time I drop my mother off or pick her up from, from the hospital there in Hyde Park um, I'm reminded what I don't know what Dr. Chris doesn't know what my mother doesn't know. God knows. God knew when Dr. Dushman told us that the tumor, at least in the first three years now, would not grow at all. It has not, it has not grown at all. And you'd think that make me pretty encouraged. I'm not exactly, I don't check in with my mother about this, you know, as much, but, but, and I'm just talking about me and sort of my relationship to to this particular, uh, to this particular instance, and I'm sitting and I'm saying, God, you know, and David, David starts talking about God knows, he says, you saw me before, you saw me before, and then he worships God, and then he switches in the psalm, it's time to quit already, how long did we sing? It's 11.15. Gosh. Um, he starts talking to God in the last part of, and, 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 and one or two of you started laughing when we got to it. He starts talking to God about his enemies. And he, he says, How precious are your thoughts of me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. Oh God, they outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake up, you are still with me. Oh, God, if you would only destroy the wicked. Get out of my life, you murderers. I'm not going to try to make some elaborate connection with David's knowledge of God and, and then, you know, uh, this switch. I don't know why he makes the switch, but I will tell you that it's a pretty realistic switch. Because if you ever reflect and remind yourself about how much God knows, about God's hand of favor that is upon your head. God who knew you before you were born, before you were formed, before you were created, if you will. If you reflect on that and then you look at your life today, you will snap because you can't necessarily connect God who knows all things, can do all things well, and your situation when you have enemies in your life. Logan Square has four murders in the first 10 days of the year. Did you know that? God, did you, did you see that coming? Or would you just annihilate my enemy? How do you make sense of of God who knows all these things, has all these details, and yet you have enemies? And David, in this psalm, Psalm 131, part of the reason why it searches me, part of the reason why it comes up, is he does not answer the question. There are answers, but he doesn't answer them. He doesn't try to answer all the questions. What he does, he does two things. He he starts to wrestle with the quality and character of God, and then he worships. You hear him talking about how wonderful this is, how great and complex God's workmanship is, and he he tries to do the work of thinking of God and responding of God well and rightly, which is worship. Then he tries to connect that with his life. And I think in this psalm, in this prayer, we see the connections and we see the breakdowns. And and, and if we see anything in David's psalm, friends of mine, we see something that has to happen for you. We see that David in this psalm confesses. He, He confesses. He says to God what he would do if he were God. some of you live in Logan Square I live in High Park I pick up the High Park Herald there's not a whole lot of difference between what's happening in one community and what happens in another wherever you live can I tell you that it is is good to build a trust with God when you can tell him you want to kill your enemies God can I trust you enough can can, can I be close enough with you to tell you what I really think? Even if I want to kill somebody. Psalm does not validate violence or murder. What it validates is honesty before God. I think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His birthday is celebrated this week. And, and he, he uh, uh, eulogized four children who died in 1961. They didn't live in Logan Square, obviously they were in Alabama, but in his eulogy, he says something that I think we should hear. So I'm going to read an excerpt from his eulogy. He says something that I think, whether you live in Logan Square, Humboldt Park, Hyde Park, Wicker Park, any other park, uh, you can connect with. He says, and I'll be quoting from his eulogy for these martyr children, These children, unoffending, innocent, and beautiful, were the victims of one of the most vicious, heinous crimes ever perpetrated against humanity. Yet they died nobly. They are the martyred heroines of a holy crusade for freedom and human dignity. So they have something to say to us in their death. They have something to say to every minister of the gospel who has remained silent behind the safe security of stained glass windows. They have something to say to every politician who has fed his constituents the stale bread of hatred and the spoiled meat of racism. They have something to say to a federal government that is compromised with the undemocratic practices of southern Dixiecrats and the blatant hypocrisy of right wing northern Republicans. They have something to say to every Negro who passively accepts the evil system of segregation and stands on the sidelines in the midst of a mighty struggle for justice. They say to each of us black and white alike that we must substitute courage for caution. They say to us that we must be concerned not merely with who murdered them but about the system the way of life and the philosophy which produced the murderers. Their death says to us that we must work passionately and unrelentingly to make the American dream a reality so they did not die in vain. God still has a way of wringing good out of evil. You want to come up? I better quit. Worship team come up, communion servers come up. David begins to talk to God in this psalm, and eventually, eventually, his language changes. He moves from talking about his enemies. Whether it be sickness, whether it be a breakup, whether it be uh, uh, the loss of a job or the fact that you haven't gotten the job, whatever your enemies are, he speaks about those enemies and then he, he begins the slow process or he continues the slow process of life change and transformation and he says to God, look at me. Search me. The New International Version translates that last verse as, see if there is anything in me that is offensive. See if there is anything in me that is unlike you. I don't like the NIV. Sometimes I don't like that version. The the New Living Translation says, on the other hand, point what in me offends you. It assumes there is something there. It assumes there is something that needs to be changed. (sighs) Some of you may be praying the first part of Psalm 131 today. You you may be saying, God, you knew me when I wasn't even formed. Your hand of blessing was on my head. How can I not but worship you? You are marvelous. Your workmanship is wonderful. Some of you are there. Some of you this morning are in the second part of that Psalm and you're saying, I've got enemies and God I just want them out. I just want to have them done with, taken care of. Can you wipe them out? Some of you are saying, search me, examine me, look at me, point out what's in me that doesn't need to be. Can I tell you, wherever you are in that movement, God knows. And his hand is on you whether you're in verse 3 or verse 23. God's hand of blessing, his hand of favor, his hand of ability to get through Psalm 139 is on you. So that even if the diagnosis is a bad one, God is with you. Searching you, calling you to Him, so that you can stay, in the last words of Psalm 139, on the path of everlasting life. It's beautiful. So that if you're cussing and fussing at your enemies, you can still be on the path. You don't have to get off the path to life for being honest with where you are. Bow your heads. Pastor Peter's going to come, and we're going to have communion in a moment. But but as as, uh, we prepare for that, God is looking at you. Would you search your own heart? Search your own.